Hi. We finally made it. Um, For those of you who don't know what this is, this is Relax It's Not That Bad. It's a podcast I started to talk about mental health, share personal testimonies, and discuss the things that actually are kind of that bad. Um, I want to make uncomfortable topics of mental health more comfortable to talk about. I just want to vibe out, you know? I want us to all be able to just have a discussion and make the uncomfortable comfortable enough to talk about. Um, because I feel like mental health is a really big thing that a lot of people are struggling with. And it's not something that a lot of people want to talk about because when they talk about it, it's not in a good way, but we're going to talk about it and we're going to have fun while doing it. This is your one warning. This is not a professional podcast. Okay. I am literally in a chair that I got off Facebook Marketplace. Um, totally worth it though. And I'm sitting in a dark room in my house. I'm also in my pajamas. So professionalism, who is she? Anyways, I don't do trigger warnings. So consider this your one and only warning. Any topic of mental health triggers you. Any situation of child abuse, torture, starvation, child unaliving, suicidal ideations, eating disorders, mental health disorders, any of that. This is your warning to stop watching, okay? We're going to start this off by sharing my own fucked up shit, okay? Um, And before any of you say anything, I'm already in therapy and she gave me the go ahead. But yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So 97, I'm born. 98, my sister's born. 99, my little brother's born. We all have the same dad. Unfortunately, the situation between my biological parents was not a healthy one. It was very toxic. My dad came from a bad home life and he was in and out of juvie growing up, dropped out of high school in ninth grade, I think. Um, It just wasn't a good situation. He was in and out of foster homes. My mom did not come from a good family either. It was just two wrongs together having babies. You know, we love it. We ended up being removed from my parents at three, two, and one because my parents were so involved in the drugs that they just weren't in the right mind to choose their children. So my dad ended up going to prison for 15 years and my mom lost her rights and we ended up going to my great aunt who is actually not great at all. She fucking sucks. It was my dad's aunt. So we get removed from my parents. We go to live with my great aunt and her husband, great aunt Betty and her husband, Reuben. I am not sure how they allowed it to happen because through recent findings, she actually had been institutionalized because of her mental health issues, my great aunt. Um, But she was still able to adopt us back in the 90s. So she had already previously adopted two other children, one of which I will not be mentioning just because that's my personal choosing. And the other one, I will not mention her name, but she is a very, very near and dear person to my heart. She's my sister, obviously, you know? And so I love her to pieces and 
I'm going to start by saying that if anyone has questions about my older sister being involved or anything like that, I want to clear the air now. She was not involved. She had no idea any of this stuff was going on. It all started after she had moved out of the house. So she was like, I'm 18, good riddance, which go her, honestly, because I would have done the same. Okay. So we're not going to tolerate any slander to my older sister. All right. Now, moving forward. From what I can tell and what I remember and what I've been told um, and what I can find in documents, Betty and Ruben pretty much adopted us and then cut off contact with my biological parents, which again, they were on drugs, so kind of understandable. What I remember is my older sister pretty much raised us. She took us to and from school. She picked us up, got us snacks, fed us dinner, gave us baths, everything. She was our mom, pretty much to the point that like we called her mama. And still to this day, she is like a mom to me. I will appreciate her every single day that I'm living. So when my sister lived with us, my older sister, when she lived with us, things were kind of normal, I guess. Um, Betty and Ruben were hoarders, mostly Betty, but it was a manageable situation. And then my sister turned 18 and she moved out. And when she moved out, that's when things really started going south. I'm trying to figure out like the best way to go into this because there's just, there really isn't though. There isn't a good way to start this. It's just messed up. So my sister moved out and that's when things kind of started, I guess, progressing with the abuse. We started being hit more. It went from being spanked to, um, doing random things like um, when we would stand in timeout, we would have to stand with our arms outstretched this way, holding like heavy cans of green beans or pinto bean cans or, you know, whatever for hours at a time. We would go to school having stayed up the entire night before being punished. We had been taking lunch to school, but then slowly over time, we weren't allowed to take lunch to school anymore. My sister and I were actually stealing food out of other kids' lunch boxes, And like, that's something I'm actually really embarrassed about. But then I have to remember I was a child and I was starving and I was trying to feed myself. So we were also eating out of trash cans, which yeah, fucking gross. But again, we were starving. We eventually were being, whenever they would spank us, it would it wasn't just on our butts anymore. It was on the backs of our legs with the buckled belts on our backs. Just slowly but quickly started picking up. And so we started wearing turtlenecks to school in Texas in the middle of summer. And I know you're probably thinking... Well, if you're eating out of trash cans and you're wearing turtlenecks in the Texas heat, surely somebody saw something. Yeah, they did. They did. Except instead of reporting it to the authorities, they gossiped back and forth to each other through email. They all made jokes about Betty. They made jokes about watching us eat out of the trash cans. All of our teachers, admin at the school... And part of why I'm telling my story now and including every single dirty, grimy detail is because I want these people held accountable, okay? 
So yeah, the teachers did pick up on it, but they were emailing each other about it and not reporting it. So fast forward, um, something ends up happening and my little sister, Crystal, she ends up telling her teacher what's going on with us at home, how we're being hit and we're not allowed to eat or take showers or bathe and we have to stay up all night. We're not allowed to sleep. And so she ends up going to the principal's office. They call me in and they're like, hey, your sister's telling us all about this. Now, mind you, I'm in second grade, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm still a little, little kid, okay? And when I find out what my sister had told them, I lose my mind. I'm so incredibly pissed because I know that we're going to get in trouble when we go home because we're not supposed to say anything about the abuse that we're experiencing. And so, of course, I'm like, no, she's lying. She's lying. But then the principal is like, I don't really think that she's lying. And I was like, you know what? Actually, no, she's not lying. So then I also tell them, hey, this is what's going on at home. So then they call CPS. And CPS goes out to the house where we were living, middle of nowhere, Texas. Okay. It's like a 30 minute drive in any direction to get to a town. Okay. Middle of nowhere. There was a stoplight that that's what we had a stoplight and actually not even like a full on red, yellow, green stoplight. Like one of the, just like the blinking red stoplights. We lived right off of a highway. And so the CPS worker pulls up to the house, sees that the gate is closed, sees a no trespassing sign, puts a sticky note on the gate with her card and pretty much is like, call me. And her name was Kim Richter. Okay. I have not forgotten. I will not forget. And like I said, I want people to know that I still remember. So Miss Kim Richter left her card, told them to call and left it at that. Had she have actually, you know, called the sheriff's office or done something to get past that gate, they would have seen the deplorable conditions we were living in and would have taken us away immediately. But that's not what happened. Instead, what happened was Betty had taken us to the CPS office and we were instructed to tell them pretty much like, just kidding. We lied about everything. We made it all up. No big deal. And that's exactly what they did. And that CPS office believed it. Obviously, we got in so much trouble whenever we got home. And when I mean we got in so much trouble, I mean they would chain us to the dressers that were in our room. I had a green one. I forget the color that my sister's was. I think it was like brown or like a off-white color. And we were chained to the feet of them. Not like, I guess they were like chest of drawers. It wasn't like the big long dressers. It was like the tall, skinny chest of drawers. We weren't allowed to sleep in bed. Pretty much after my sister, my older sister left, they took our beds away and we slept on the floor. No blanket, no pillows, just on the floor. All of our toys were taken away. And so, yeah, it was just not a fun time. So we went home that day, got beat, no breakfast, no lunch, no dinner, and got chained to the dressers. And that is when everything just stopped having like a slow progression and started having like a really fast progression into the abuse. After that, we were pulled out of school. 
Again, why didn't anyone say anything? That's a good question. I also want to know that. Um, because in my mind, that is a huge red flag to have two children come up, report abuse that's going on at home, file a CPS report, and then the kids are immediately pulled out of school and you don't check in with CPS? You don't call the sheriff's office for a wellness check? Yeah, makes a lot of sense, babe. I totally get it. So yeah, they pulled us out of school, said that they were going to homeschool us, which I remember reading like one homeschool book and it was about like the Bible and all of that. And I remember thinking, this makes absolutely no fucking sense to me. I don't know why that memory is like so rock solid in my head, but it is. Anyways, so at that point, we went from like being chained to dresser to the chest of drawers to being like like for a couple hours a day to it being like an all-day thing. Betty had worked at some plant and at that plant they had fiberglass tape, like the thin fiberglass tape. So when they weren't chaining our ankles together, they were fiberglass taping them together. And then, oh man, it's so, it's so embarrassing to share some of these details because this is the first time that I'm doing it publicly, but again, I was a kid. So like, I don't, I know I don't really have anything to be embarrassed about, but it is still embarrassing. To keep us from screaming or crying, they would take our little brother's dirty underwear, stick it in our mouth, and then put the fiberglass tape like all the way around. And if they didn't have fiberglass tape, they used duct tape. We had two windows in our tiny little room and they boarded those up with plywood. So we had no way of seeing out. Nobody could see in. It also, I guess, helped with the sound because nobody could hear a scream. I mean, it didn't matter anyways because we lived in the middle of nowhere. Like our neighbors were like a mile away. Okay. I say neighbors loosely because we had like pastures between us and stuff. So it didn't really matter if we screamed. We had no way of knowing what time of day it was, no way of seeing in or out. And so, yeah, it was just, it got really, really bad. And it was about a three-year stretch of this. So as far as like the starvation goes, we weren't allowed to eat. When we were allowed to eat, it was like a can of sardines a week. And I know that seems like such a big exaggeration, but when my sister died, sorry for the spoiler, but that's what happens. She was eight years old, about to be nine, and she weighed just like right at 30 pounds, I think. I had just turned 10 when she died and I weighed 40 pounds. And for reference, I have a five-year-old son who weighs close to 50 pounds. So, you know, it was bad. When Betty would go to work, Reuben would occasionally allow us to have ramen and hot dogs. But for the most part, the only dinners we were allowed to have was the occasional can of sardines. And as you can imagine, I fucking hate fish now. We, I, I cannot remember a time where we were given a glass of water or anything to drink and we had to wait until we were let to go to the bathroom and like chug water out of the sink. But then eventually it started getting so bad where we weren't allowed to go to the bathroom and we had to wear pretty much like adult diapers and sit in our own feces and urine for weeks. 
And I don't know if y'all know what that looks like, but eventually the diaper just starts to disintegrate and it makes a big like moldy spot on the floor. And hygiene would tell you that sitting in that for weeks at a time can be very, very bad and damaging for your body. And so it was. We would get rashes so bad on like the bottom halves of our body to where we would just bleed. And there was no scabbing because we were still sitting in it. So it was just raw, open wounds, bleeding. It got so bad to the point where Betty would go to work. We would be chained in the room all day long, right? Mouths duct taped shut, chained down. Like, and I mean like big, bulky chains. Um, occasionally they would use bicycle chains if we were good, but when we were getting into trouble, it was like the big bulky chains that you would put like to lock a property up. Okay. And I mean like full on lock and key. Betty and Ruben would go to work or Betty would go to work and Ruben would stay home and just do yard work in the pasture with the animals or whatever. Um, because we had a lot of those and Betty would come home and she would convince herself that somehow, some way, we broke out of the room and did something. And so then she would say, what did you do? What did you do? Did you do this? Did you do this? Um, and we would be honest and say no. You know, because we were chained down to the fucking dressers all day. It's literally impossible, but go off. And she just wouldn't take that as an answer. And she would beat us and beat us and beat us and beat us. And when I say beat us, I mean with whatever she could find. Sometimes her favorite tool was a shovel and she would beat us with the stick part of it on our backs, on our legs. That was one of her favorite things to have us like sitting down chained to the dressers with our arms behind our backs and use like the end of like the handle part of the shovel and just slam it down on our legs or take a baseball bat, slam it down on our legs. Um, because we couldn't move our hands to block her. All we could do was twist and turn and scream and cry and beg her to stop. Um, and she really loved that. The harder we cried, the worse it was. So you know that saying, you better stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah, that was one of her favorites. Even though we had something to cry about because we were being tortured, we we still weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to cry. We just had to suck it up. Which, as you can imagine, for two little girls is very hard to do. I'm going to attempt to not cry through any of this. I have never succeeded in that, but I will try. So, other times with a shovel, she would take the part that, like, actually digs into the ground and slam it down on the tops of her feet, and especially on our toes, um, which I'm sure, as you can imagine, ends in torn toenails, broken toes, all of that, which was not a fun time to experience. Other than that, she would take cans, like canned green beans after they were open and slam like the, the open rim part on the tops of our hands so that it would cut us. And other times, she would take a pair of pliers and pull on our tongues. Occasionally, she would hit us so many, like, put full-on punch us so many times in the face that, like, we would pass out. And then she would throw ice-cold water on top of us to wake us up and then just keep going. And she was convinced 
that we came from sin. One of her reasons for this belief is that my dad had babies with a non-white person, which is odd to me because um, her husband was Hispanic. Does not make sense to me, but once again, she really truly hated my parents. Why? I'm not too sure. But she took it out on us and she reminded us every single day um, that we were impure and we were evil and devil worshipers and just born of sin. So that's why we were being beaten because she was punishing the devil out of us. God told her to do it and she's just doing God's will. So yeah, take that as you please. I can't take that seriously. So and no worries if you can't. Another way that she would torture us is she would torture the other siblings. So and it was just me and my sister going through this. Okay. Like I said, at this point, my older sister had moved out. My little brother was young, but he was a favorite child. Um, he never had to worry about any of that. My um, other sibling also was a favorite child, never had to worry about any of that. They were an older sibling, but not biologically related. But yeah, my little brother and my older sibling never had to worry about that. Just me and my sister. My older sibling was old enough to, you know, say something to somebody at school or whatever, but they never did. Yeah. Anyways. Again, I'm trying to be as candid with this as I can, but also not get too emotional. It was a lot of fucked up shit. But like I said, if she wanted to torture me that day, she would go really hard on Crystal. Or if she wanted to torture Crystal that day, she would go really hard on me. Because me and my sister, we were like this, okay? She was my absolute best friend. I always tell people that if souls exist... And souls are like a thing. Mine and my sister's were intertwined. Yeah. She. Anyways. So. She would come in again and be like. Oh I know. I know you stole. I know you broke out of the room. And you stole off the kitchen table. Um, You stole food. Which. Really? Anyways. If I had a chance to break out. You know. And I wasn't chained the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah, I would break out and steal food because you were starving us, bitch. What did you expect? The thing is, is that we didn't because there, it was physically impossible for us to. And so she, like, she would come in and she would tell Crystal, I know you broke out. I know you did this. I know you did this. And there's only so many times that you can hear somebody you love with all of your heart scream and beg and just plead for it to stop. There's only so long that you can listen to that before you say, fuck it. No, it was me. And we did that for each other. She took the blame for me for things I didn't even do. And I took the blame for her for things she didn't even do. Things that Betty like was so deranged about and like made up in her head. I just, I still don't understand what was going through her head. I don't, I don't think that she was entirely all there. I think truly she really thought that we were like devil worshippers living in her house. Like there's no, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand her thought process, but anyways, so 
yeah, things like that would get really, really bad. Occasionally she would, like, if she was beating us at night, one of her favorite things to do would be to put us in our little brother's hand-me-down jeans and stuff like that and stand us in the shower. Granted, again, we live in the middle of nowhere, old, old house, no central air and heat, so winters were cold. One of her favorite things to do was to stand us in the shower, run the shower um, on the coldest setting, and leave us in there overnight to just freeze in the shower. Sometimes during that time, she would um, give us Irish spring bars of soap, and we would have to eat them and weren't allowed, like, eat the whole bar, chew and swallow. And we weren't allowed to leave or get out of the shower until we had finished our bars of soap. She would turn all the lights off and leave us in the dark, and then Reuben would grind his teeth at night. And it would be so loud that it would echo down the hallways. And I remember her telling me all the time that that was the devil dragging his chains um, to come and drag me down to hell. And that the sound I was hearing was Satan's chains being drugged down the hallway and he was coming for my soul. So as you can imagine, I'm very afraid of the dark. Um, not a lot of people know that about me, but that is one thing as an adult. Like, I am terrified of the dark, but, you know, my husband gets it. It's okay. So yeah, that was one thing that she would do. Another thing she would do is my grandma's house was actually on that same property just like across the way and she had passed away, which apparently was my fault. She told me that my grandma died because she held me. Okay. Anyways, she would make us go to my grandma's house and sit in there with all the lights off and tell us that my grandma's soul was haunting the house and that she was going to drag my soul to hell. So that was also really fucking terrifying. Another thing they would do is, I don't know if, I, I don't know what everybody calls them. I call them sticker burrs, like those little pointy sticker things that are in weeds or like fields and stuff. She would make us walk barefoot across a field of them. That was one of her favorite things to do. One of her favorite things to do with me was to leave me outside on the back porch at night, which again, middle of nowhere. So there's coyotes, there's bobcats, there's all kinds of shit. And there was one time I remember this guy, I still to this day have no idea who he was, but he had a stocking or like a, like a, like a pantyhose stocking pulled over his face walked around the house to the back porch, dragged me to the side of the house and just started like wailing on me, like full man fist wailing on me, um, drags me back to the back porch and then runs away. Still to this day, I have no idea who it was, but I was screaming and I was crying and nobody came to freaking help me. And I like, I mean, I'm sure it was probably Ruben now that I think about it, but I don't know for sure, you know? And I remember telling Betty about it and she was like, that's what happens. It's going to happen again if you keep being a bad girl. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, I was terrified, right? So anyways, it was just like, yeah, we didn't get to celebrate our birthdays. Um, those were non-existent. We didn't celebrate the holidays. We didn't get any toys, any, anything that my older sister had sent us for our birthdays or for Christmas, we weren't allowed to open. Our little brother opened them and occasionally got to play with them. But other than that, they just sat on a dresser um, in Betty's room because Betty and Ruben slept in different rooms. Um, but yeah, it just like, 
was a lot of really fucked up shit. Um, there were times, there was one time where me and Crystal, we had gone over to Betty's sister's house. She was supposed to babysit us. And uh, a George Strait song came on, the I Cross My Heart song, because I think that uh, Pure Country movie had just come out. And me and Crystal started dancing to it. And we were going to like a super Southern Baptist church at this time. Okay, so two little girls holding hands, dancing together. Sin. Sinful. Straight to hell. And we actually had to go in front of the entire church congregation and um, repent for our sin of holding hands and dancing together. So, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of family members believe that Betty's sister and brother-in-law had no idea what was going on. I don't know why people believe that. I really don't. They told the court and everything that they had no idea what was going on, but Betty's brother-in-law literally, it's on court documents, said that I was a devil worshiper and I loved the devil and that's why Betty did what she did. And I'm sitting here thinking like, is that not a red flag to anybody else? How do you, how do you still, th after saying something like that, how do you believe that he had no idea what was going on? He knew. He knew and Betty's sister knew because when we would go over there and Betty would tell us they're not allowed to eat. They need to have their nose in the corner the entire day. No bathroom breaks, no eating breaks, no laughing, no talking, no playtime, none of that. Nose in the corner all day. They never questioned it, right? And so I'm sitting here now as a mother, as an adult, and if anybody in my family or my friends or whatever said, hey, I'm going to drop my kid off for you to babysit. They're going to stand in time out all day. Do not feed them. Do not speak to them. Do not let them go to the bathroom. Um, I'm sorry, bitch. Absolutely fucking not. So like, how, why do you believe that they had no idea what was going on? They knew. They knew. They participated in the abuse. So I don't feel bad about them. It was things like that. Um, we very rarely left the house. And when we did leave the house, we had to stay in the truck. Um, there were so many times that Ruben would actually put us in the truck with him to go pick up feed from my sister's, my older sister's husband's family's feed store. Um, and we would be in the truck and my older sister who was working there had no idea. She had no idea we were sitting in the truck. And if she would have seen us, if she would have known, she would have called the cops and had us removed. But they were really good about things. Anytime we went to any other public functions, for some reason, they still had us in 4-H and stock shows and stuff like that. And allowed us to participate in them because if you won, it got you money. Obviously, I guess they needed the money. I don't know. They were, they were getting plenty of money just having adopted us. In the court documents, it talks about people in the community who saw us at the stock shows or saw us during um, 4-H meetings and stuff like that and saw how malnourished we were and that we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. Um, we had to sit by ourselves. We weren't allowed to eat, anything like that. And they thought it was weird, um, but they never said anything, okay? So, like, members of the community saw what we were going through, didn't say anything. So you can imagine 
why I'm filled with fucking rage. So things like that happened. There were some times where Betty would take a hammer and like lay our hand flat on the on the floor and tell us, you know, tell me what you did. If you don't, I'm going to hit your hand. And we, we didn't know what, what it was that she wanted us to confess to. So then we would sit there and say, I, I peed my pants. And then she'd say, liar, and slam our, slam the hammer down on our hands. Um, we would say, I broke the tape on, on, my, on my feet. Liar! You know, and she, we would have to guess until we admitted to something we didn't even fucking do, but something she believed in her head, we would have to guess until we got it right. And the whole time, you know, we're, we've got a hammer breaking down on our, coming down on our hands. A few times that she broke my hands was she would lay her hands flat on the floor um, and then bend our fingers back and step on them until she heard a crack. So like my fingers, I'm sure you can tell kind of like you can especially tell on this one, that one. Yeah, my fingers are all super janky and fucked up. My toes, like my um I'm really self-conscious about my feet and my hands because like under my fingernails I have scars from them being like ripped off, same with my toenails and stuff like that. It's just a lot. I, have, I still have a lot of scars all over my body. Another thing that she would do is, I don't know if you know what waterboarding is. Um, that was one of her favorites. She would do that. She would take our fingers in between some pliers and like threaten to pull our fingers off of our hands. Um, she was just like fucking evil. Like, and at first, like, for the longest time, I just classified it as regular child abuse. But um, after speaking to Dr. Kellogg, they actually just, like, went through with their research on child torture. And my case was a part of that. So, to know that, like, I mean, obviously, you hear the details and it's like, well, that's not just abuse. That's torture, you know. But there was no term for it um, when all of this was going on. It was just seen as child abuse. So, they only got charged for child abuse. Anyways, so things like this kept happening in the midst of all of this. I don't know about my sister, but I do know about me. I was also going through some issues with child sex abuse. I don't want to give too many details just because it's something that is very personal to me. It makes me really sick to my stomach. Um, and I still have not worked through it. But it was one situation that would take place a lot is um, I would be blindfolded. I would then be told to open my mouth, um, get on my knees, open my mouth. And then I had to guess which button on the remote I was touch like a TV remote. I was touching with my tongue. And so it was like a game that we would play. And then at different points during the game, the remote would be removed and something else would be put in my mouth. I would be told to describe how it felt. I would cry and, you know, tell this person, I don't like that. I don't want to do this. And it was just, it was just a game. We're just having fun. And it was one of those don't tell anyone that we play this game kind of thing. And I know, I, I as a kid, I knew 
something's not right about this. But I didn't like know, know until I got older and realized what the hell was happening to me. That's really, really messed me up. And, um, yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, other than that, when I say it was impossible for us to break out of the room, other than the chains and, you know, our mouths being taped shut and stuff like that, our door was kind of like a particle door. Um, it wasn't solid and it was cut in half and the bottom half was locked from the outside. The top hat, half has like a pet gate over it, which if any of you guys have seen that short film that was made or seen the pictures from um, the court case and everything like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. On the bottom half of the door, there was this big, um, there was like bailing twine tied to a big cowbell and they would sit it on the edge of the desk that was right outside of the bedroom so if you even jingled that door or like jiggled the door a little bit the cowbell would come down and it would bang and bang it would be so freaking loud so like even if we got out of our chains somehow and wanted to escape we literally couldn't and I know that like when you're listening to this it's so easy to just like hear the words and just, you know, a lot of people are like true crime junkies. So when they hear stories like this, it just doesn't affect them. But I'm telling you as the person who survived the situation, um, this is not easy and it's just not a fun time. So fast forward about a year before my sister passed away, Ruben had made the mistake of coming into our room and taking us out of our chains and just letting us sleep on the floor with we had the tape around our mouth still but other than that he untied our um, chains around our legs and our hands and we were just left in the room well at this point we got the schedule down pat right like we knew exactly what betty's truck sounded like so we we knew when she was leaving and when she was coming into work um, we knew the sound of the back door closing, the front door closing. We knew when Ruben was out doing work in the pasture and all of that. So we, we just had the schedule down. So we just decided that day, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna fucking run. And so we busted that door down. We pulled, you should have seen us two tiny, like fragile, frail little girls, just like, like ripping on this door. And it was a particle board door again. And I remember feeling so panicked because the cowbell fell down and it was going and going and going. It was ringing so loud. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, we have to hurry. We have to hurry. So then finally Crystal had the idea to climb up on the dresser that she was normally tied to or chained to and jump over it. So that's what we both did. And in our, in our heads, like we thought as kids, like we'll take as much food as we can we'll just survive that way. I don't, like, we probably would have made it to safety had we not have stopped and, you know, tried to grab food. But we were starving, so we grabbed whatever uh, grocery bags we could find and we stuffed whatever we could in it. Me and Crystal grabbed some baby dolls that we hadn't been allowed to play with in years, grabbed them and, you know, gave them kisses and told them, um, you're finally safe. You know, you know how little girls talk to their Barbies and their little baby dolls and stuff. 
we made a run for it. We we lived on a really big hill, like a steep hill. So we were running down the hill. We got about halfway down before Ruben realized what had happened. And so he's chasing after us, chasing after us. And we are running for our lives. And a little, I'd say probably half a mile down the road is a cemetery. And half a mile past that is the stop sign. And a quarter mile past that is this barbecue restaurant that we were hoping to make it to. Our plan was to make it to that barbecue restaurant and which barbecue restaurant middle of nowhere. I mean, it was great for truckers, but I don't know. I didn't get it. Anyways, it's a, it's like a gas station barbecue spot now. It's so good. I love them so much. So our goal was to make it there and ask somebody for help. We made it to the cemetery. We had to stop because Crystal couldn't breathe and Reuben caught us and drug us back home. And I hate thinking about that story because that's the same cemetery that she's buried in now. And so it just seems like that whole cemetery is just like a bad omen to me, I guess, because it just like, I don't know, it hurts to think about like we ran for our lives and tried to find safety and tried to get somewhere where somebody could help us and we didn't make it that's where we ended and now she's buried there it just it fucking sucks it sucks to think about anyways so after that Ruben had asked us why did you run away so we told him like we don't like when you hit us um when you you know hurt our bones and stuff like that like the best way a little girl can explain like you're breaking my fucking bones beating me starving me torturing me making me sit in my own feces and urines, gagging me, like, what the fuck, you know? But we just, we pretty much told him, like, we don't like it when you do this. And he was like, okay. So he put us back in the room, fixed the door, put us back in the room. Betty comes home. I cannot explain the fear I felt that day. That was one of the scariest days of my life. And... Ruben, I remember Ruben saying, you need to listen to them, listen to what they're saying to you. Um, and so we told her and she said, when you don't have sin in your heart anymore, the pain will stop. And then she beat us all night long. Um, she broke a couple of my fingers that night. I got knocked out a couple times that night. Crystal got knocked out a couple times that night. By the next morning, our faces were black from where she hit us. We had these big, massive bruises all over our bodies, um, cuts all over us, gashes from where she would slam the shovel down on our feet. And then at that point, I guess our bodies just started getting so frail at that point that it was really hard for us to walk. So at that point, they didn't even have to lock the door anymore because we could barely walk. And she would do this thing where she would tell us, oh, you can go to the bathroom. Go. Go get some water from the sink. And then she would say, but you have to stand up and walk there. And we couldn't because we were too weak. We were being starved. Our bones were being broken. When we would try to crawl, she would have like a cattle taser 
which if you don't know what that is, it's like a really long taser they use to move cattle with sometimes. And while we were crawling, she would t prod us um, with the cattle prodder and laugh. And then if we peed our, if we peed ourselves on the way crawling to the bathroom, she would beat us. She would kick us, knock us out, splash water on us, bring us back and do it all over again. It was just like, I really, I really honestly do not know how we survived that long. I, I just don't. And I've told a couple people this, but there were some nights where we would stay up and we would just cry. And, whew, just beg to not exist. And when I think about two little girls being abused so bad to the point where they don't want to live. It's just some heavy shit. Anyways, a lot of times she would have a stand up. She would chain our hands behind our backs and then chain our feet together um, with like no room. So a lot of times our, our backs were like arched. Um, and then she would say, okay, you're not allowed to fall asleep. And she would put a ring of tape around our feet and like tape our feet to the carpet. So if we moved even in the slightest and the tape lifted, she would know. And then we would be, we would be beat. And then she would leave the light on in our room. And I remember that used to scare me so much because the light was on in our room. Her room was like, you had to go through her room to get to our room. And so she would turn the light off in her room and it would be so dark and we couldn't see out of like the pet gate at the top. And there would be times I would be closing my eyes and I would hear her and she would be right there at the gate, her face just right there. Like, I told you not to fucking go to sleep. And it like... <laughs> I'm scared of the dark, bitch, okay? And so, yeah, it just, like, thinking back now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, a lot of this I have not said, again, publicly. So, it's just really weird to, like, say it out loud. And I mean, like, that's about half of it. There's so much more. And it's just wild. It freaking baffles me sometimes. Eventually, Crystal starts getting sick. This is a time that is really hard for me to talk about because she stopped being able to move her body. Her, like, limbs were, like, permanently frozen in a certain state, um, like, a certain position. Her knees were brought up, kind of, and, like, she couldn't extend her legs. Her knees just locked up and then her, like, hands were all locked up and there are, for those of you who have seen the short film, like, you saw the pictures of her body. It makes me sick even thinking about those pictures. Um, because that's what I saw for about the past two weeks of her life. Anyway, she started getting really sick. Couldn't move. 
it's just always hard. Um, anyways, eventually she stopped being able to eat. And I remember they kept telling her that um, she needed to eat and get better so that she could go celebrate her birthday. I remember thinking that was so weird because we weren't allowed to celebrate our birthdays once the abuse started. So I kept thinking like, oh shit, like things are changing, you know? And they kept telling her like, if you can get better and you can get healthier, we'll go celebrate your birthday. We'll go to a restaurant and we'll go to an arcade. And they just all of a sudden were trying to like force feed her. And I remember thinking like, you never let us eat. Why are you letting us eat now? You know? And so I remember Betty had brought me a cup of jello to try to feed her and I was getting so frustrated with her because she literally could not swallow. She could barely open her mouth. And here I am like trying to force feed her jello. And I remember yelling at her and being like, just swallow it. Like, what is your problem? Again, I was a child. I was nine about to turn 10. And I didn't understand the situation that was happening at the time. And so things just got really, really bad after that. She wasn't able to eat and Betty kept telling me she would take me into the hallway and she would beat the shit out of me and tell me if she doesn't get better, it's your fault. If something happens to her, you did it. And then one of Crystal's last days, she had said, um, if she dies, it's because you didn't take care of her. You're her big sister. You're supposed to take care of her. Um, and whatever she wanted to achieve in that moment, she succeeded in with the rest of my life because I carry that guilt every day, even though I know I didn't do it. Um, I still have that feeling of I could have done more, you know? Um, but anyways, so one of the things that me and Crystal would do is because we weren't allowed to watch TV, um, our little brother would watch TV and he would listen to it really, really loudly. Um, and so we could hear it all the way into our room. And one of the things that he watched constantly was over the hedge, um, that movie with like the raccoon and the little squirrel and he's like tempting hammy very tempting um he watched it so much that me and crystal were actually able to memorize the entire movie every sound effect every song every line so um when we were really sad at night and we wanted to comfort each other or just laugh or have some fun we would recite the movie back and forth to each other we would play the different parts she loved when i played the bear and i was like rj you you're not waking me up a week early are you whatever the bear says um she loved it um and she always played hammy and i i always thought that that was so funny because she had this squeaky voice it just was so perfect all the time i'm so sorry it was like we had our own fun times and so when she was sick I thought, okay, I'll cheer her up. I'll um do this movie and um 
I'll I'll recite the lines for her and I'll play all the different parts and that'll make her feel better. That'll that'll help her. And again, like as a child, you don't you don't know, you know? And so I remember going through the lines and she started making this like pained moan. And there was one night I was so tired and I just wanted to sleep and she just kept making this sound like she was in like she was in pain but she couldn't say hey like I'm in fucking pain it just came out as like moaning because she couldn't move her mouth um that's all how like locked up her her uh bones and joints were um and so I got so annoyed and I remember getting so mad at her and being like, oh my god, can you please stop making that sound? I'm trying to go to sleep. And I remember looking at her face and like her eyes. I don't know how to explain. How somebody's body can look like it's already gone, but you still see them in their eyes. And so I feel like that last week. She was literally trapped in hell. She was trapped in this broken body that she couldn't move. She couldn't talk. She couldn't eat. She was slowly dying. But she was still there. I hate thinking about that. Anyways, the day she died, we were making a bed for her. And Reuben was gone. He was out looking for a wheelchair to put her in. Why? I don't fucking know. But that's what was happening. And... I always tell people, I'm not a religious person, but I am spiritual. If souls exist and they're a real thing, ours were intertwined. Um, she was the other half of me. And I always tell people, you know, I feel like I knew she was dying before she died. Um, or that she died before I saw her dying because I was making the bed. I had my back turned towards her. And regardless of what we were going through... I always felt whole. I felt like all of me was there. You know, it was me and my sister. Um, all of who I am was there. And when she died, the best way I can explain it is it felt like somebody ripped my soul in half like a piece of paper and threw half of it into the darkness. And now all that's left is just half of who I am. And nothing can ever replace that. And I feel like for years, my soul has just been looking for hers and it can't find it. And I feel like that's why I just can't find peace. Because I think if souls are a thing, ours were not meant to be separated. I always tell my husband that I hope in whatever lifetime we live, our souls will come together and find each other. But I believe that mine and my sister's souls were not meant to be separated. That we came in together. We didn't have to find each other. We were already there. But yeah. So she ended up passing. And I remember telling Betty, hey, um, something's wrong with Crystal. And she smacked the shit out of me so hard. And... I remember crying and saying, no, something is really wrong with her. 
So she finally turns around and she says, I need you to go take a bath. I hadn't taken a bath, showered, brushed my teeth, put on like a clean outfit in probably three, four years at this point. Four years? Yeah, four years at this point. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. So I said, what's a bath? So she goes and starts the water. She takes my clothes off. She sits me into it. She's like, this is what you need to do this. You need to scrub your body and stuff like that. So that's what I did. And then I sat there like a freaking dumb dumb. And she's like, what are you doing? Get out. Put clothes on. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. What do you mean? Um, and then she tells me to go sit in the living room with my little brother watch TV and that's how I knew something was wrong because I was like I'm not allowed to watch TV I haven't watched TV in four years what are you talking about and then Ruben gets home hi if you're noticing that the lighting is different it's because it is now nighttime and this is editing cast here to tell you that I accidentally deleted the last 15 minutes of that video I spent so long on. So it was not intentional for me to leave you on a cliffhanger. However, the rest of my story will be in episode two. So you'll just have to stick around. If you're not already, please subscribe if you're watching this on my YouTube. I'm also on Facebook, on Instagram, and Spotify. So if you don't want to watch me, sit in an orange chair and talk into a mic and tell you about all the awful things going on in my life, you can listen to me do that instead. If you made it this far, thank you. Really, truly. I hope you stick around. I hope I didn't scare you away. And future casts will know to always have backups. Always. Anyways. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it.